It has been an exciting season here at First Baptist Church. Um, we, we know that it has been a long road coming from the big C, COVID, uh, to where we are now. And it is, I don't know about all of you sitting out there, but I am so excited to begin seeing things coming back that have been gone for a long time, seeing the orchestra, seeing the choir, seeing the handbells, and uh, it's great to have all of this diverse music coming back into the sanctuary. So thank you all so much. You all did a great job this morning. It was beautiful, so thank you. Well, just a couple of days, there is the, the holiday or the day before the holiday. Does anyone know what happens three days hence from today? Anybody? Winter solstice. Winter solstice. I thank you. I appreciate that. Winter solstice is only three short days away. It takes place every year on December 21st. And it is not necessarily a day that most of us look forward to, but a day that most of us endure. Winter solstice is the day that the sun in the northern hemisphere takes the shortcut across the sky. It, it, it results in it being the day that has the least amount of daylight and the most darkness. It is, in fact, known as the darkest day of the year. And we, we all know in, in, intuitively that, that that day is here and upon us because we're in that season where we've been enduring the darkness. I find it ironic that I'm talking about the darkness and the sun is blaring in the windows, <laughs> which is going to be appropriate here in a moment. But the truth is that, that there is a lot more darkness, right? Like we wake up in the morning and, and we get ready to go to school or to go to work and it's dark. And then soon after we get home and get done with school or work, it's dark, right? Darkness dominates the sky this time of year. And there's a lot of debate in Christian scholarship about whether or not Christ was actually born. And there, there's, there's some good arguments for the fact that Christ could possibly have been born in the winter, December months as we know winter. But there's also good arguments that he could have been born more towards the spring. So there's, the thought is that maybe perhaps what it is is rather than us celebrating Christ's birth this time of year, because that's actually when Jesus was born, that we celebrate Christ's birth at this time of year because that's where the church moved the day to celebrate the birth of Christ. And so there, there's thought that, that maybe it's just it's good positioning, that, that the church just chose to put the celebration of Christmas right now. And, and there's good evidence for that, being that basically every religion in the world has some kind of recognition of winter solstice at this time of year. Uh, as, as those in the church that attend on a regular basis know, I'm not one to really have that debate. I really don't care about all the debates around the hows and whys of Christmas but I am grateful that Christmas does come so close to winter solstice. I, I see a great deal of irony in the fact that this is the season of darkness, but it's also the season that we celebrate the coming of the great light of life, Jesus Christ. Amen. I like that. I, I think there's, there's incredible irony, but there's, it's also profoundly appropriate, is it not? Because that's the beauty of Christmas. 
That, that, that's, spoiler alert, that's the reason for all of the joy. That's the reason for all of the gladness. That's the reason for all of the lights and the candles and the trees. That all of it points to the, the life that comes through Christ and the fact that light has entered the darkness. That Christ has, that God Almighty, Emmanuel, God with us, has invaded time and space in physical form at just the right moment. I love that Christmas comes at the greatest darkness of the year because it reminds us at this time of year in the greatest darkness that we in our seasons of darkness and difficulty which will descend upon us we must remember to seek the light. We see that in several places throughout the scriptures, but one that was mentioned in the cantata this morning that I want to draw our attention to, and I invite you to open your Bible with me to it, is found in Isaiah chapter 9. Isaiah chapter 9. And we're actually going to back up and start in Isaiah chapter 8 in verse 19. So I know that we probably don't have that ready for this morning, but that's okay. So just listen for a moment and then we'll get on to what's on the screen says this, when someone tells you consult mediums and spiritists who whisper and mutter, should not a people inquire of their God? Why consult the dead on behalf of the living? Consult God's instruction and the testimony of warning. If anyone does not speak according to this word, they have no light of dawn. Distressed and hungry, they will roam through the land. And when they are famished, they will become enraged and Look upward and will curse their king and their God. Then they will look toward the earth and see only distress and darkness and fearful gloom, and they will be thrust into utter darkness. Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who were in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, but in the future, he will honor Galilee of the nations by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation, increased their joy. They rejoice before you as a people rejoice at the harvest. As warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them. The bar across their shoulders. The rod of their oppressors. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning. Will be fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born. To us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. You know, I, I, I like the flow of that passage, and I, I think we make a mistake when we just jump right into chapter 9, and we leave out the end of chapter 8 there, because I think chapter 8 gives us context that makes chapter 9 mean more. 
Did you notice what he says there? He, he talks about the reality of the descending of darkness into our lives. And, and he actually gives a pretty good description about how we respond to seasons of difficulty and darkness in our life. And he gives a warning that when the darkness comes, when the doubts descend in our hearts and we're struggling with in life, to, to not go seek our own way but to seek the light of God, to consult our God. To not, to not consult other sources first and foremost, but to remember that our God is the keeper of truth and the preserver of our souls. We, we see that in chapter 8 as it ends. He gives this warning. And, and I can't help but relate to the people of Israel here at the end of chapter 8 where, where he warns them about going these other ways and doing their own thing and they're asking these questions of the world and they're trying to find understanding in the midst of their struggle and the ambiguity of life and they're searching around because I've had those moments of doubt. Anyone else in the room that would say I've had seasons of darkness in my life, seasons of struggle where I begin to search and look for answers wherever I can find them and I begin asking questions. Have you ever been in that season where you ask the questions? You, you begin asking, where is God? Where is God? If God is there, why am I suffering and struggling like this? Where is God? Does God care? Does God care? We said, we prayed this morning that, that we can cast our cares on him for he cares for us. But, but often when we're in the season of waiting and we've given God our requests and we're waiting for God to move according to God's plan, we, we want God to move with immediacy. Right? It's one of the problems we see in the church today. We want to name it, claim it type of faith where we can just say it and God is beholden to us to move right then at that moment. I'm sorry to tell you and be the bearer of bad news, but that's not how it works. God works and moves according to his plan in his time. And in those seasons of darkness and doubt, we've got to be careful that we don't become impatient. That we don't begin doing, as so many Christian songs and hymns tell us, begin prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. But that's what we do in darkness, right? Right? We, we begin to wander and to move across the floor, carefully-ish, but trying to find our way so we can make the light happen. And Isaiah, the prophet, warns us, don't go wandering in the dark. Don't go trying to find it on your own. Instead, know that the light shines. See the light and seek the light. It's right there at the beginning of chapter 9, the good news of Christ's coming, there will be no more gloom for those who were in distress. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. Doubts will be a part of life this side of heaven, but when those doubts rise, rather than allowing them to drive us deeper into the darkness and our own understanding, we need them to push us back to the truth of God's word, and the dawning of the great light of life, Jesus Christ. In seasons of darkness, we need to seek the, life, the light. In the Gospel of John, it gives us further clarification of what Isaiah is saying here, and the truth of the great light of life that is Christ. In John 1, it says, In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God. And the word was God. 
He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made, and without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Here is the hope of the gospel, that a great light has dawned. Yes, the darkness will still come. Those seasons of life where we struggle and we suffer, that that is going to continue to be a a reality that we face. We see that in the, the testimony and the witness of the apostles, that difficulty, darkness, and struggle, it's part of the deal. But the good news of the gospel is that light has dawned and that the darkness does not win. That through all of our struggles, that the, the darkness will have an end, but the light will not. That Christ has come. The light shines in the darkness. So we can have hope. This passage has been heavy on my heart, and it was heavy on my heart before the events of this week. But as I sat in a darkened waiting room at IU Methodist Hospital on three different occasions this week with the Hatton family. I continued to think about this passage. As we sat in the dimly dimly lit waiting room, knowing that that Greg Hatton was just just a few feet down the hall, we realized that the the reality of the struggle and the suffering of life, the reality of, of quote-unquote, the darkness that we are confronted with from time to time was clear around us. But as we sat in that hospital waiting room and I talked to the family and, and words of hope continued to come out of their mouths, I was reminded that the light still shines in the darkness. That in the midst of difficulty and struggle, in the face of all this life can throw at us, that God is still good. That God is still with us. And that even in the midst of our lack of understanding and our struggle, that God is still there. That he's still holding us with his mighty right hand. And he still walks us through the difficulty And though the light may be dim, the light still shines in the darkness. Brothers and sisters, this Christmas season, as we see the lights, as they shine in the darkness on houses and on trees, may we be reminded that the light has dawned in the darkness. And the darkness cannot overcome it. That love has come. And that God wins in the end. We will be saved as we put our trust in him. And we follow him wherever he might lead. May we see Isaiah's great light this holiday season. And may we celebrate the coming of the light of life. Father God, I thank you so much for your goodness and grace. Which you have given to us so freely. Lord, I pray that you would continue to remind us of your great love in our lives that you would continue to draw us deeper into your presence, that you would continue to restore our faith where doubts have arisen, and that you would remind us of the greatness of your love and the preservation of our hearts through your consistent presence. 
God, we thank you for the birth of Jesus Christ. God has been made flesh and dwells now among us. And through your work in person, salvation is ours for now and for eternity. May we hold to that whatever season we find ourselves in. And may you lift our hearts up and encourage us today in Jesus' name. Amen.